Well, hello, good to see you. Well, I am, I'm so glad that uh, you are here, and I hope that you're glad you're here. We're just going to deep dive into what we've been talking about over this summer period. Whoops. Sorry. almost choked myself there with the microphone cable. We'll survive. No, everyone jump at once to help me. That was funny, wasn't it? It's summer, we're relaxed. Well, we've been talking about the effect, the effect that Canadians can have. Now we're going to focus a little bit more today on us. This is not going to be some, uh, you know, a self-therapy class or anything like that, but we want to just really take a few moments to engage the scriptures and really see how it affects us so that we can have the effect. And that's what this whole uh, topic series has been about, the effect that we are desiring to have on the world around us. Now, when we look at uh, who Jesus was and who Jesus is, when he came into the world, he totally tossed everything upside down, you know, Everything that someone thought was the proper way to do things, he said, no, there's actually, you know, you have, for example, 600 and something laws. He goes, I'm going to break it down into two laws. That would be crazy for someone to hear that. He said, I just want to break it down to two laws. I want you to love God with everything that's within you, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and then see those people around you, look to your left, look to your right. I want you to love them the same way. And if he had a mirror, he probably would have said, and I want you to love that person too, the same way that God loves you, unconditionally. And that is the revolution that Jesus started. And for those that follow him, for those that say, Jesus, I've not only just received you into my life and now I show up to church once in a while, and that's not anyone here, but for those people that say, Jesus, I want to serve you, that has a profound effect on not just our lives, but on the way that we see the world. And I just want to explore that a little bit about the effect that we, and I don't want to get into the thing of, oh, this is what we should be having and it's just kind of a railing session. That's not the point. The point here today is to encourage us in God's word, from God's word, so that we can continue to move forward in our relationship with Jesus and the desired effect, not this that we want to have because of a relationship with Jesus, but the desired effect that he desires to have in us and through us. Now, that's a very profound thought, not because I said it, but the consequences of that taking place in our lives, that Jesus wants to work through us. I just want to make sure everyone going, wow. Did you think about that? Jesus wants to work through those that trust him. Jesus wants to love through people who have a relationship with him. Let the profoundness of that sink in for a moment. It's something that we've heard so often, those of us that have been around church, that sometimes it just bypasses us really quickly, and we're like, yeah, of course, But we don't take the moment to just stop and think about, in a positive way, the consequences of that. That Jesus wants to work through us. He wants to have an effect through us. 
Well, if it's through us, then that means that there's got to be some type of agreement. There's got to be some type of submission. There's got to be some type of, um, you know, connection between Christ and I so that he can work through me. And that is where we're going to go today. Have you ever heard, and I don't, I'm, I don't know if you have, maybe some of you have, but I'm going to, a guy named Sanderson Jones. He's a good old British chap. Well, he's not old. He's just a bit younger than me, which is very young. Sanderson Jones? No? Anyone? Well, this guy has planted congregations. He's been part of a movement that's been planting congregations all over the globe. Like they, I think it's on every continent now. They have congregations um, all over the place. They call themselves the Sunday Assembly. And it sounds awesome. And uh, Sanderson, he is a, you know, by trade, he's a comedian. But uh, he has seen this innate desire within himself and a few other colleagues and a few other friends, and then also saw a need among people to gather together to celebrate, and they use the term to celebrate life. And uh, so now they have over, just over 70 congregations throughout the world, 70 communities meeting on Sundays right now as you and I are meeting, they're meeting. And uh, this guy, he, 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 he's a funny guy. He is like a cheerleader. He's just awesome. I want to have a, a coffee with him. I do. Like one day, that's one of my goals, is I want to sit down and just chat with this guy and get to know him more. But he, he tells jokes like this. This is, this is a funny one. I thought, oh, this is a really funny one. And it's about, uh, you know, we happen to be part of a Pentecostal church. You know, there's lots of different kinds of churches trying to serve Jesus. So this is um, Sanderson making light of another group of people called the Southern Baptists. And they're wonderful people who trust Jesus and they're, a big, they're the biggest uh, church movement, evangelical church movement in the United States. But he said this. He said, there was this man that is uh, rescued after many years living on a desert island. You got that? He was rescued because he was living on a desert island all by himself. Got that? Okay, as he stands on the deck of the boat uh, that rescued uh, the rescuing vessel, the captain turns to him and he says, I thought you were stranded alone. He said, but how come I see that there's three huts there that you built for yourself? And he said, you know, this gentleman, he replies and he says, well, replies the castaway, um, that one there is my house and the one over here is where I go to church. And he said, oh, well, that's interesting. But he said, it really still doesn't answer the question then of, what's that third one? And he said, he goes, oh, well, that's the church I don't like and the church I don't go to. <laughs> and I, I thought, that's, it's, it's funny. It's funny, number one, it's just because it is. It is what it is. It's funny. But number two, that's the kind of stuff that Sanderson likes to give out. And I'm talking like I know him by first name, Mr. Jones. We're going to call him Mr. Jones because I don't know him personally. But uh, this guy tells jokes, he wants to celebrate life, and he has seen over 70 congregations planted um, around the globe. But the funny thing is, is if I was to read you um, the actual statement of who they are, they're an atheist congregation. And if I read you the statement of their belief system, you would think, oh, if I wasn't paying attention, I would think that, that sounds like a great church. But they're an atheist congregation and they just want to celebrate life and they get together and they have a good time and they've planted over 70 congregations throughout the world. 
And here's the funny thing, as I watched a couple of documentaries on them and, and read a few things on them just to understand a little bit more of what they were getting at, I found this funny, funny thing and the reason that I'm picking on, I'm not really picking on them, I'm using them as an example, is to show you that a lot of people are the same. When it comes to people, we have the same issues and we face the same challenges. When it comes to churches, we have, when it comes to communities, congregations, we have the same issues and the same challenges. And so, this is a, an atheist church movement, and uh, they have, and this was the funniest thing that I, I pulled out of it just as I was looking at it. He started to talk about an atheist congregation that doesn't like the way that they celebrate their atheism. Follow the logic with me. He found another, they have, there's an atheist congregation that is, is railing against them saying, you guys aren't practicing it properly. Your disbelief in a higher power, you don't know what you're doing, you're not radical enough, you're just being too much of this and that, and you need to, you know, tone it down and tone this part up. And so he has people against him, and I thought, isn't that hilarious? Like, it, it caught me so off guard because I thought, that is so funny that even in the church, and that is, in a sense, at the polar opposite end of this kind of church, they have some of the same problems, they're facing some of the same issues, people disagreeing with one another, you know, people railing against one another, people saying, you're not doing it right, you're not doing it good enough, you're not doing it quiet enough or loud enough, you know, bright enough or dark enough. They have all the same issues. And I thought, okay, there's got to be something. So really what their desire is, they want to get together and celebrate community and celebrate life and it's all good. But it started to make me think about the effect of a congregation or a community of believers that are following Jesus and the impact that they are supposed to have. And that affects you and I right here, right now, because it means something to follow Jesus. As we started off earlier, Jesus wants to work through us. We are not disconnected from our Savior. We don't, just, we don't just meet over a religious barbecue and a religious experience. We are meeting because we want to engage with the one who has saved us and who lives and wants to work through us. And so I constantly think, oh, if, if they have some of the same problems that we have, yet they are at the polar opposite end of belief system, what's the difference? Now, it's easy to answer some of those things, but I started to think about that, and I thought, I want us to, to think about that for a bit. Because here it is, is the pace, and this is a, a quote that I, I've used lots of times, but the pace of change in a society or a culture is typically faster than the pace of learning how those changes are affecting the society in which those changes are taking place. Now, that's a lot to think of. Did you get, do you want me to say that again? The pace of change in the society. Think about technology, for example. The rapidness of technology, how it's grown in my lifetime, has grown, it's gone leaps and bounds faster than I or the society around me can even grapple, uh, you know, grapple with it and try to make the adjustments necessary. That's something that's going on around us all the time. And so we, as people who want to allow Christ to work through us, because he says he wants to, and then we who say that we have the truth, 
then we have to grapple with thoughts like that and think, why are we here? What are we trying to do? How is who Jesus is affecting our life and then affecting other people through our life? Here's what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come into relationship with with the Father unless they come through me. And on another little side note, he said this, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said this, as I shared earlier, he said, listen, you can come to me. Anyone who's weary, anyone who's got a burden, anyone who's not getting enough rest, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he he qualified that again by saying, listen, because I am the way, the truth, and the life, you can trust me. Well, would you not agree that that should have a profound impact in, in someone's life for someone who engages Jesus that way? For someone who builds a relationship with Jesus, that should have a profound impact on their life. Yes, no, maybe. Leslie Newbegin, great theologian, he said this. He said the best hermeneutic, and what hermeneutic really means is just that that understanding, that interpretation of something. He said the best hermeneutic of the gospel, so the best interpretation of the gospel, of what it looks like in today's society, is a community of people, men and women, who believe the gospel and then live by the gospel. So let's just in 30 seconds review what the gospel is. We already read some things that Jesus made statements about himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I've come to give people life. I've come to remove the burden and place rest and peace and love on people's lives so that they see themselves differently and they see the world around them differently. That's what I've come to do. And I'm willing to break the barrier that's stopping you from doing that because guess what? Here's the innate thing that each one of us desires. I, maybe more than you, and maybe some of you more than me. We choose and desire to do it ourselves. I want to make it happen. Because I want to be able to pat myself on the back and say, Steve, good job, well done, you did it. You got yourself righteous, you got yourself figured out. And Jesus said, that's not the gospel that I'm coming to preach. That's not the gospel I'm coming to share. I'm coming to share this gospel, that you come to me, that you find your life through me, that you give up your life and you take up your cross daily and you follow me. Find your life in me. And Jesus said, and I'm willing to pay the price so that you can have that kind of access. That's why he died on the cross. He was the final sacrifice. And then he said, now to prove that you can trust me, I live again forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. I don't leave you comfortless. I send you the comforter, my spirit, to lead us into all truth. So 2,000 years later, we're sitting here on a Sunday morning, figuring out what a greater effect of that truth is in and through our lives. So here's the uh, question, just in the next few moments. I want us to decide, I want you to decide, I have to decide this, and I really believe it's a daily thing that we decide on, if our faith is going to just be part of our life, or if our faith will become our life. There's a big difference there. If our faith is just becoming part of our life, or if our faith is becoming our life. So, 
brings me back to my original thought. What's the difference between an atheist congregation and a Christian congregation? And you would think, well, that's a pretty absurd question. I know the difference. But think about that for a moment. If Jesus wants to work through us, because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I want to affect change in your life and through your life, that changes the whole dynamic. So what is the difference between an energetic atheist congregation and this congregation, this community of believers? Is the, is the difference maybe that we have the truth? Maybe some would say that. Well, the difference is we have the truth. And I take that thought and I wrap it in what I just said, that Jesus wants to work in me and through me to see other people experience his love. So if I go around claiming that I have the truth and that's my answer for everyone, then I, I, I think and I have found, and maybe you found this too, is that that's, I just wrote it this way, that seems quite an impractical conversation starter to someone that I am trying to love because they feel judged right away. Now that's a, that's a conversation that we can have for those that have entered into a relationship with Christ. We can talk about truth. That's why we base ourselves on the scriptures and that is our truth guide. And then we base ourselves in discipleship with one another, sharpening one another, helping each other spur on one another towards love and good deeds. That's what the scriptures talk about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how, do, how does Jesus affect us and then through us affect other people around us because that's the difference so yes do I believe that I have the truth do I believe that we have the truth absolutely let's not put that up for grabs absolutely because Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life but is that what I go forward on is that the difference I'm just going to leave that a blank I really believe it's this the difference is the way that we love. This is the profound effect, and maybe you thought that we were gonna go somewhere else with this, but I keep bringing it back to this point because this is the ultimate way that God has described himself through Jesus. The, the real difference is the way that we love. Unconditional, not judgmental, allowing the Holy Spirit to work on someone to bring them to new life and just like us. And we get to be part of that process. That's the effect that I am longing to have on more and more people's lives. And that's the effect that it has to start with, though, in us. That we recognize that Christ loves us unconditionally, doesn't judge us, doesn't hold anything against us, wants to work in and through our lives. That's why so many things that happen in our lives that create pain and damage and hurt end up affecting our relationship with Christ and end up holding back the real realization of this truth in and through our lives and in and through our congregation, our community, so that we can affect more people around us.